0: Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. On this episode of Bugs by the Yard, we are going to talk about an insect that I think in Texas is... Common in landscapes. If you have prickly pear, you probably have seen this insect. And that is the cochineal scale. Dactylopius caucus is the genus and species. And these are insects that are native to Mexico, South America, and then
1: the Southwest
0: United States. For those of you that may not have prickly pear in your yard or don't live in Texas, These are an insect that is on the prickly pear cactus, but they don't really look like an insect. This is a type of scale insect. So they will be mobile in the first stage after they hatch out of the egg, they move around and they figure out wherever they're gonna settle down and they insert their mouth parts into the plant. They start feeding on the plant then they start secreting a waxy covering and it coats their body and kind of protects them from environmental conditions. And it kind of is like cotton. Yeah. Like white cottony, fluffy
1: stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: If you pluck that stuff off of them underneath that, you will find the actual insect itself. And those are a oval shaped wingless insect. They are a really dark red, almost burgundy color. And if you squish them, they ooze that, which a lot of people are like, Ooh, it's blood. Well, kind of, but not really. I mean, it's like bug juice essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love these insects because they do do that red squish and they actually stain your finger. Have you ever squished them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah and it
0: like stains your finger all red and
1: you can't really wash it off. In fact, I can't stop myself from squishing them whenever I see one, <laughs> whoever I'm around. I have to show it to them in case they've never seen it. It's like, can't not do it. Why are they so red? Why do they make that red? Is it what they eat?
0: These scale insects naturally produce a chemical. It's called carminic acid, and it is, and I had to look this up. It is a red colored glucocidal hydroxyanthropo purine. So that's like the big chemical, whatever.
1: So glucosidic, like sugar glucose. Yeah.
0: So it's like this, it's got a sugar chain on it. And I forget the other part of it, but you know, cause my organic chemistry was really, really long <laughs> time ago, but it causes that red color and it's naturally occurring in this particular species of scale. And a couple of other ones, I think there's like the Armenian cochineal. And then there's another one that I can't remember the name of it.
1: Which would be in Armenia. Yeah. So okay. they they produce this. Is there one in Britain? Because I had always heard that the red coats, that's how they would get the dye in their red coat. So there must be one in England.
0: There isn't.
1: No. Well, they use we'll ours. Talk
0: about how they got it. Because Sorry. That's like <laughs> convoluted history. I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm jumping ahead.
0: So cool. So the insects actually produce this carminic acid. To protect themselves. Actually, there was a, I think it was like in the, the 80s, 1980s, there is a paper that was done by Thomas Eisner. He was studying the coconut insects along with ants. And apparently he discovered that the carminic acid was a deterrent for the ants actually feeding on the scale insects. So you know how scales they produce the honeydew, which is the sticky sweet secretion. They would take the honeydew, but they wouldn't actually feed or predate on the actual scale insects. And so he figured out that it's the carminic acid that is causing them not to consume them. And then he also hypothesized, but didn't actually do the research that the red coloring might also be aposomatic which for those of you that may not know, apostomatic is essentially warning coloration. It's usually bright or contrasting colors. So like a, I don't know, like a honeybee, it's yellow and Mm -hmm. black. So that's warning that it can do something to you, whether that's sting in the case of a honeybee or taste bad in the case of the cochineal scale. Then apparently, which I don't know how the gentleman actually figured this out, but he also reported that the insects tasted bitter when humans consumed them. So I don't know if he was eating them <laughs> to see
1: what While they were like. Fingers. That's good to know, because when you said that it was like a sugar chain, I thought to myself, I'm going to lick my finger next time and see if it's sweet. <laughs> but mystery solved. Don't have to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> done and done. <laughs> So the other cool thing, you know, how with Monarch, they take the toxins from the milkweed that the larva feed on and they incorporate it into their body. And then when they turn into the adults, if a bird comes along and eats it, then they'll get sick and they throw it up. There are actually different species of moths that in the larval stage, they feed on these scale insects, predaceous
1: caterpillars, which
0: is super cool. I mean, and it's so they can incorporate that carminic acid into their body. And that is the way that they can defend themselves when they're adults. And I'm like, that is so cool because <laughs> you think about caterpillars, you don't think about them eating other insects. You think about them eating plants. and
1: it's Yeah. Like, being totally uh, herbivores, but these are predaceous, I guess.
0: Yeah. The other stuff, just random crazy facts that I was finding out about these, and then we'll go into the history. The insects, it takes about 70,000 dried insects for a pound of dye.
1: Wow, That's why it's so expensive. Could you imagine that number? Holy moly so I pronounce it cochineal, but I guess it's coach. How did you say it? Cochineal? I coach? say
0: cochineal, but co-caneal. I, I don't know. I should probably look up how to pronounce it. Wait, we're going to do that.
1: Well, there's ways that, well, I mean, that makes a good point. There are ways to pronounce all sorts of things and they aren't necessarily right or wrong, but we've done at work at camps and things for youth activities, painting with the scales. And it is expensive expensive to get the, like, it's usually dried and then we wet it with water and the kids paint with it and mm-hmm. it is not cheap. So that makes sense since it's, it takes quite a bit to make a little bit.
0: All right. We're going to see who's pronouncing how to say this. Okay. Cochineal. cochineal.
1: Neither one of us are really saying it. Cause I say it like with an S H cochineal. Cochineal. All cochineal. right. Cochineal. cochineal. There you have it. <laughs> I was wrong too. Cause I say cochineal, but now it's It's coaching. It was
0: kind of like a hybrid in between the two of ours, right?
1: (laughs) Uh Neither one of us were totally wrong.
0: I always tell people because they're like, well, how do you pronounce that? And I'm like, well, I pronounce it like whatever. I was like, as long as you say it with conviction, people are going to believe you. So just (laughs) say it how you want and believe in yourself. You do you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So today, like modern day, these are still produced and grown and harvested to make dyes. And this happens mainly in Peru, which is in South America, and also in the Canary Islands, Hmm. which is off of the western, northwestern coast of Africa. And The interesting thing, it's been recorded that the natives in Peru have been using these since 700 uh, CE,
1: common era. So are these two different species in Peru versus the Canary Islands? The Peru is like our species. So they're invasive or they got moved? They were stolen. Oh, (laughs)
0: love it. (laughs) There has been huge, huge issues with these. So, when I don't know what the conquistadors or whatever, you know, we're going to go on a history lesson now. So, the conquistadors are exploring and they're going and they're moving into various parts. And so, when they went to Mexico, because these used to be produced in Mexico a lot too, but apparently that kind of collapsed in recent times. And so when these people from Europe went into Mexico they saw these bright bright red fabrics and they're just like where is this coming from because they didn't have the capability of making that bright of a red dye in Europe because they were making it out of plant roots and stuff like that and so it wasn't mm-hmm. that really bright vibrant red so they were talking, I guess, as best they can with the natives (laughs) because who knows how communication is going then. And they discover that it's these insects that they're harvesting and they're using it to make these bright red dyes. Essentially, like you said, you know, they, they harvest the insect, they dry it out. And then when they're ready, they'll grind it up and then they'll put it in water and kind of reconstitute it. And then they add different things to make it into whatever it needs to be, I guess. Yeah, like
1: we added aloe. We add aloe to it, I guess, to make it stickier to stay on the page. Oh, okay. When they grind it all up, when they take them off the plant, does the waxy thing just kind of fall off or like melt away if they get it wet or it dries out and it just floats off? I
0: could not find that information because I was wondering that myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are they picking all the white fluff off before they harvest them? Or it's I don't a lot know. A Yeah. I need to do, well, that might also be why it's so expensive. You know, it's like, this is labor intensive because the thing is the insects are really delicate. These are small, soft-bodied insects. And so they're, they're going to get squished Mm -hmm. if you don't harvest them, I guess, in a specific way. But I was wondering about the white waxy stuff myself. I'm thinking that they just kind of scrape them off of the plant with the waxy stuff. And then Maybe as they dry up, it separates or something
1: floats away like dandelions. Yeah, that would
0: be super cool (laughs) because like it's snowing little insect fluff. So the conquistadors figure out that the natives have these insects. And so they decide to... I don't know, corner the market on this essentially. And they're not sending the insects to Europe. They're actually growing and harvesting and creating this dye and they're dyeing this fabric and they're sending that to Europe. They're like selling it for like exorbitant amounts of money, just like ridiculous stuff. And so this is something that is Like almost as much money was made off of these insects as the gold and stuff that they're, I don't know, stealing? Yeah, uh, I'm going to say from people, (laughs) plundering perhaps, (laughs) I don't know. So the Spanish and other European people that came over are trying to keep those cochineal insects in Mexico and South America so they can keep the market cornered and they can actually use them to, I don't know, make even more money. But somehow somebody along the way snuck some out and they took the, of course, not only the insects, because if you just took the insect, you don't have the cactus to rear it on. So they actually smuggled some of the cactus that was infested with the cochineal And they took those to Haiti and I think that that's how it finally got introduced into the Canary Islands and that sort of thing from that way. If you guys ever have grown prickly pear or dealt with prickly pear, the pads will fall off the cactus and they will root wherever they are. So you can essentially find an infested cactus pad break off that one and then yeah, take that. So it wouldn't be really difficult to steal and smuggle something out. It wouldn't mm-hmm. take a lot.
1: So I wonder if the cactus are native or they they naturally grow in those areas too, or was it like a double introduction?
0: I think it was probably a double introduction. Could you imagine sneaking this cactus with <laughs> <in six? laughs> This is why we have customs now. That's right. (laughs) We don't want things like this happening. But another cool thing that I found is when we're talking about Native Americans in the United States, they didn't have red dyes, like good red dyes for them. But what they would do is they would trade the soldiers that had these blankets with the red dye on them. And then they would unravel those and then they would use the yarn to be in whatever they're using so they could have that red in their stuff. Could you imagine taking something apart so you can put something back together? And It's just, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't even fathom the amount of time that it would take to do that. I mean, obviously red was an important color. If you think about paintings and textiles and royalty back in the day, Mm -hmm. the big colors were purple and red for them to wear. And since there wasn't any good red dye, when they found this, it was like jackpot. I actually looked up the purple dyes. It was made from a crushed up snail.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) It's kind of cool. When we think of the color red, it's all around us. You pick up a crayon and it's red, but they really only saw vibrant red on flowers, I guess, and plants because red is not like a super common thing in nature either, really. No,
0: today we have laboratories and we're creating dyes synthetically when they were doing colors and trying to color fabric or create paint. It was from natural sources. It's from animals or it's from plants or, like, you know, I was talking about the red was from some root that they were digging up. There was another one that was made from testicles of something, (laughs) I think. (laughs) If I read that correctly, (laughs) it was very interesting. So, finding a bright red dye source that's not like that kind of muddy red. It, mm-hmm. but it's like red, red was or pink like a burnt. Yeah, and that's the other thing with the coat coach. how do I say it again?
1: Coach cochineal. Cochineal. cochineal
0: So with the Coch'ineal, they can either leave it as the really bright red or they can thin it out and put additives in it so you get this whole entire spectrum anywhere from pink into that burgundy color. And so it allowed them a larger range of colors in that hue that they could actually do.
1: I don't think people realize how important insects are in our history. This is just one little tiny example.
0: That was a big historical kind of hubbub that we had with them taking the insects and then them being smuggled so they can have more people that have them available and all that stuff. But there was a more recent ones. Moving into modern times, I'm going to say around the early 1900s, that's when we really started synthesizing dyes and colors and stuff. And we were using those to dye fabrics instead of using the natural stuff. If I had all the time in the world, if I ever win the lotto, this is gonna be <laughs> one of my like pet projects, just exploring natural dyes. Because I've seen people that is taking a thing of mustard and dyeing stuff with that because that again, it's yeah. from a plant and it's a natural dye. So, just being able to create some of those and dye things and see what happens, and I, I just think that, that would be really cool. But we have all of these synthetic dyes in the 1900s that we started using on fabrics, and then when we move into later on in the 20th century, then the cochineal is going to start being used as a food colorant. Yeah. What happened there is there were health concerns over the artificial or synthetic dyes that were being used. And I think some of them were found to be carcinogenic and that sort of thing. And so they're like, we got to find something to utilize instead of this. And so in comes the cochineal insect with its Mm -hmm. bright red dye. And these can be used in a variety of stuff, candy, like red lollipops or the coating on m and M. Don't you remember when the red M&M's were taken out of the package? Because I of don't. The color or whatever? Because of red
1: dye number, whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, whatever that number was. I can't
0: remember what number five <laughs> or nine. Yeah. I, I
1: don't
0: Just know. one single number. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or or red velvet cupcakes. I've always yes. heard that red velvet is dyed with them. Yeah,
0: They use this on any pinkish reddish whatever. Candy, cosmetics, like lipstick mm-hmm. or eyeshadow shades that are like pink or something.
1: And if you go to the grocery store and you buy Sobe Life Water, the there's a couple of the flavors that are pink. They're not red, but they're pinkish in color. If you look at the back, And the ingredients, it will say cochineal scales or just cochineal, I think is all it says. So, so you can find it in the ingredient list on things that you probably, that is
0: actually a recent thing. So when this first started out, they were just labeled as natural coloring. Oh, it's a natural source. So they just put natural coloring, not telling people that there's insects in it
1: because people don't like eating bugs.
0: Exactly. But there (laughs) are also, I think there were, I don't know, three documented cases within a 10 year period of people having allergic reactions to it. So if you're allergic to shellfish, they're very closely related to insects. So it's quite possible that you might be allergic to an insect. These are an insect. So if you had that, then it's possible that you could have an allergic reaction to it. That is when it kind of flipped over, and the media caught wind of it. And it's like, you're eating insects unbeknownst to yourself. <laughs> which, if you want more on that, tune into our next episode. That's right. (laughs) All about it, but it just got blown out of proportion with them. You know, you're, you're doing this and they're sticking bugs in your food and blah, 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 blah. That's when it went to the, oh, we have to list these as an actual ingredient. So people know that there are insects, but how many people read their food labels? I know I don't.
1: Yeah. I guess only if you have really severe food allergies, would you really look at it or you, Certain religions, I know people will look in it because they can't eat certain things.
0: I guess this comes into play if you maybe have like a kosher diet that you're eating or if you are vegetarian or vegan, this would be of concern. So you may need to check those labels. Like Molly said, these are going to be listed now in the ingredients. So you will be able to discern if the coloring is from insects or if it's from something else, which I don't know how I feel about that. Would you prefer something synthetic that's dyeing your product a red color or would you prefer the insect in there?
1: I don't care. I, I mean, the insect is fine with me, but yeah, I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, we also know the truth, right? <clears throat> <laughs> not like they're putting the whole insect in whatever product you're doing. These are insects that are producing a dye naturally in their body. They dry those out, they grind them up, and then that is added to create that color in whatever product. Textiles, of course, paint, food, cosmetics, also the coating on certain prescription drugs. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of them have the red or pink coating. It can be used on that. And just so everyone knows, these are approved by the Food and Drug Administration. These are sometimes used as a bacteriological stain.
1: Really? So you know how really?
0: you do those stains to figure out what kind of salt? Yeah. Well, those like pinky red ones.
1: Yeah. Petri dish things. Petri dish stains.
0: It is a, in my opinion, a safe die as long as you aren't allergic to it. Are you allergic to insects or shellfish? If so, then you might want to read your labels and pay attention to anything that's pink colored, essentially. And I think about this, I think about pink yogurt or the fruit juices that might be kind of a pink color or
1: candy. I wonder if you would have to be super highly allergic to shellfish because you're mentioning all these things that you don't even realize you're putting on your face and in your mouth that could have the cochineal scale. So I wonder if you have to have like a really super sensitive allergy to them to have a reaction.
0: Oh, the other cool thing that I found about these in my research is if you're looking at a prickly pear cactus that is infested with these, the females outnumber the males in their typical populations, 200 to one.
1: What? Then are they like aphids where they don't necessarily have to need a male and that's why that's the case? Or the males just have a lot of work to do? I
0: don't know, but the males are going to be the winged ones. I'm thinking that it's got to be something similar to aphids because it just, that doesn't compute in my brain otherwise, right? (laughs) You mentioned that the British soldiers during the American revolution, they had the redcoats.
1: Uh, they were mm-hmm. called the red coats.
0: And those were dyed fabric using the carmine product.
1: Now I know how they got it. I thought they either had it already over there or I thought, were they not red coats until they came to the United <laughs> States and found the Cochineal scales? But no, the conquistadors sent it over, yep. I guess.
0: They they were making some serious bank. <laughs> that is your insect history lesson for today. Hopefully you enjoyed it because I just found it completely fascinating. It's how insects have changed the world. We're doing a insect and food Mm -hmm. thing right now. And so this does fit in because these are put in some food products. So that's how I tied it in. So we're getting all these food and histories and our next episode is going to be all about insects and food, right? That's right. So hopefully you guys found some interesting information. If you are one of our listeners in Texas, you might want to try making your own dye and drop me a line and let me know how it goes because think I have any prickly pear in my landscape right now that I can infest with these. So I'm going to have to find some and I'm going to do some experiments because I think it would be really, really fun. Thank you so much as always for listening. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we will catch you next time.